Happy Friday. Spring training games start today, and there are some teams where prospects are competing with other prospects for starting jobs and roster spots. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So again, Friday, spring training games have started today. The Rangers play the Royals at 3.05 Eastern. The Mariners play the Padres at 3.10 Eastern. So with the start of games now, everybody else kicks off on Saturday, but we can start looking at some of these position battles in training camp. You have a couple teams, like there's there's prospects who we know are going to make their rosters and are going to get a starting spot. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar is going to be the starting shortstop of the uh, Colorado Rockies. Gunnar Henderson is going to be uh, either the starting shortstop or the starting third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles. Oscar Colas is more than likely going to be the starting right fielder for the Chicago White Sox. But there are a couple situations where you're looking at prospects competing with other prospects for a roster spot and or a starting role. We mentioned Gunnar Henderson there in Baltimore. Baltimore is a scenario where we are looking at two prospects fighting over uh, what is believed to be one roster spot and it may not go to either one of them. So you've got infielders Jordan Westberg and Connor Norby, both as non-roster invitees to camp, both guys who are competing for a spot. So Jordan Westberg, uh, probably the one, my favorite of the two, if one of these guys makes makes the roster to be the guy. 2020 first-rounder supplemental out of Mississippi State, 6'3", 205 or so. And last year, uh, most of the season, 91 games of his 138 were in AAA Norfolk. 273, 361, 508, 18 home runs, 25 doubles, 3 triples, and then 44 walks to 90 strikeouts in 9 of 12 on stolen bases. I feel like the reason why Jordan Westberg is more likely to be, uh, to, to get a spot on the opening day roster over Connor Norby is his versatility. So Jordan Westberg can, like he's he's an above average runner. I think that he probably would be a little bit challenged as like an everyday shortstop. You do have Gunnar Henderson who can fill that role. Obviously Jorge Mateo still on this team. And so I could see Westberg being above average defensively at second base. And also, because of the, the, the good enough arm being above average at third base as well. So obviously, you have a scenario where Gunnar Henderson expected to be either shortstop or third base. I think Fangraphs has him as the shortstop with Ramon Urias at third and Adam Frazier at second. And I've seen some places that have Jorge Mateo at short Gunnar Henderson at third, 
and Ramon Urias on the bench as a backup because you signed Adam Frazier for second base. But right now, Mateo's value is his defensive versatility. Like offensively last year, 221, 267, 379. Great speed, stole plenty of bases. WRC plus of like 82. And so right now, the value is the defense at multiple positions where Jordan Westberg could give you something like that as well but also be able to do more offensively. I feel like he's got at least average, maybe an above average hit tool, and he has above average power as well. The reason I like him for the job over Connor Norby, and I like Connor Norby, 2021 second rounder out of East Carolina, 5'10", 190. He also got time in AA and AAA last year, but most, most of his time, 64 games, was in AA Bowie. 298, 389, 571, 17 home runs, uh, 33 total extra base hits, 34 walks, 259 strikeouts. The thing here for Connor Norby is defensively, like the actual actions, you know, the hands, the transfer, all of that are fine, but the arm isn't that great. The arm is below average, and so you could you could see him play some short in a not emergency, but in a, you know, depth kind of situation. But I think he's like he's going to end up being a second baseman at the major league level. And he's going to be an offensive first guy over defensive first guy. He also has less time in AAA. And it feels like Baltimore likes to give their guys a longer look in AAA before they call them up. And so of those two, I very much like Jordan Westberg, if one of these two makes the team, Westberg to make it over Norby. I think a really interesting battle, and one that you'll see multiple of these guys play at the big league level this season, but just an interesting battle is in Arizona. So look at the rotation, the projected rotation right now in Arizona. You've got Zach Gallen, you've got Merrill Kelly, you've got Zach Davies. Those seem to be your number one through number three. Uh, Madison Bumgarner has a roster spot still. Did not look great last year, uh, but he's owed a lot of money. He's a veteran. He's still on the team. And so that leaves you with one open spot on your roster. And a couple different options you can do. Last year, you did get time in the bigs for both uh, Ryan Nelson and Dre Jamison. They both got starts at the big league level. Uh, Brandon Fought did not. He is a non-roster invitee to spring training, whereas the other guys are um, on the 40-man roster. And theoretically, if you're looking at, you have one spot, because we're assuming that they're not going to cut ties with Madison Bumgarner just yet, even though I could absolutely see them doing that, then you're looking at who is that one pitcher. As much as I like Brandon Fought, and I think Brandon Fought has the highest ceiling of all of these guys. So when you look at what he does, He's got two plus pitches. He's got a plus fastball, sits in the mid, uh, low to mid-90s, can touch 97, good cut to it, decent carry up in the zone. He has a plus slider as well, sits in the low 80s, ton of horizontal sweep to it. We love those horizontal sweepy sliders. Uh, and then he, he improved the changeup last year, and so I think it's now above average. You're looking at three pitches that are above average to plus, and then a curveball that Right now, it's below average, but it's useful early in account to steal a strike here and there. And so, uh, he's got the highest ceiling to me, 
But again, he's not on the 40-man roster, whereas Ryan Nelson and Dre, and Dre Jameson are. And so if you're having to figure out which of these players is going to uh, break camp as the starter, it, uh, in that fifth starting spot in the rotation, it feels like, uh, it, if, if I had to guess, I would say it's going to be Dre Jamison. Both of them, both Jamison and Nelson, had good stats last year in their minor league samples. Uh, Jamison, to me, feels like he has more tools that play at the big league level. The fastball sits 97, can touch 100. It's probably somewhere between plus and 70 grade. Somewhere floating in there. He also has a two-seamer in the mid-90s with like really late kind of boring on your hands. Uh, the slider is a plus slider, and it's one of those sliders where he can manipulate it so he can make it break more or less. He can have it go deeper in the zone or not. So it kind of functions like he ha- like, like it's multiple breaking pitches. And that is something that we've seen a lot in baseball recently is we've seen some of these pitchers have two distinct sliders. We've seen some pitchers add the sweepy slider and a gyro slider. Not what uh, Dre Jameson's doing, but that's something that I've noticed recently that I'm going to we're going to talk about in a, in a future show. Uh, and then to go along with all of that, Dre, uh, Dre Jameson also has a changeup and a curveball. So he's got five pitches he can throw. Uh, three of these are at least plus or better, you know, the, the four-seamer, the two-seamer, and the slider. And so I feel like he's probably the best bet to break the season. There are the questions. I mean, he's only six foot one, 65, 170, so he's a little undersized. There's questions about the longevity throughout the season, but he's a very, very good athlete. He threw 132 innings in the minors last year and then came up to the bigs for a little bit. So, so far, he hasn't shown that the size is an issue, but uh, you just wonder eventually. And the average major league team uses like 10 or 11 starters per season anyway. And so, I think by the end of the season, you see Dre Jamison, you see Ryan Nelson, you see Brandon Fought all make starts at the big league level. Uh, there's probably another guy or two in there you can think of, like a Tommy Henry who makes starts. You know, that gives you nine right there. Uh, add in one or two more guys, maybe a third. And there's your starters for the season because you need a lot of starters to cover 162 games. In just a minute, there's an interesting group of prospects that are at spring training that have no shot of breaking camp with their teams. But it's a really interesting, interesting development opportunity for these guys. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Like I said, spring training games start today, and so if you're a big baseball fan, uh, you are probably trying to find a way to get to either Arizona or Florida to go to Grapefruit League or Cactus League games. Whether you are flying or road tripping, but especially if you're road tripping, you got to think about Built Bars. So if you're like me and my family, when you travel, you, you stop at the gas station to fill the car up, and then you load up on snacks. Road trip snacks, uh, candy bars, chips, crackers, uh, you know, just things that are not good for you, right? And instead, what you should think about is a built bar. One, they taste good. All built bars, 100% real chocolate. So they've hit that same feeling as you would have uh, from a candy bar, but they're also healthy 130 calories, four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And the protein's what makes you feel full. And stops you from eating because you were hungry. Now, if you eat in the car because you're bored, that totally happens. I get that. But the Built Bars can help you um, not 
just sit there and and munch on food because you're hungry on your road trip, however long it is, to get to Florida or Arizona. So go to Built.com, pick the flavors you want, get your box of Built Bars. If you run out on your trip, no worries. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's. If you go to Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section, grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, of double chocolate, or of coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's, run in and get a 13-bar box of brownie batter or churro. And then everything else, all the rest of the flavors, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, all of that other stuff at Built.com. Okay, so going through the list of non-roster invitees, there are some very interesting players that don't really have a shot at breaking camp with the team, but they're there. And it's a useful metric to see the players that teams value as far as uh, we think this, like we have plans for this guy to be a big part of our team in the future. And so we want him here. Jordan Lawler, 2021 first rounder. Uh, he he turns, I think, uh, I think he's 20 years old right now. Uh, he is in spring training with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's not going to break as a starting shortstop. He has a grand total of 20 games in the high minors. He got 20 games at the end of the season in Amarillo last year. Uh, but it's a scenario where they want him around for the experience. They want him around to spend time with these big leaguers, learn from them, uh, take in some of the stuff. One of the more surprising ones uh, that was announced this year was Jackson Holiday. So, number one overall pick in the draft last year, 19 years old, and was invited to spring training with Baltimore. Now, he wasn't necessarily surprised. Apparently, MLB Pipeline caught up with him and they asked, and he was like, I was hoping for a spring training invite. I would have been surprised if I didn't get one, but I'm very glad that I did. I'm looking to make the most of it. It's just wild to think about this time last year, he was in his senior year of high school, and now he is in a major league spring training. Uh, It's something where he showed up early. A lot of teams, and the Orioles are one that do this, a lot of teams will do like a development camp and they'll bring in some of their prospects early. In this case, the Orioles had them there on February 6th and they'll work with major league staff. They'll work with the instructors uh, and they'll be there even before pitchers and catchers report, getting work in, working on specific things. But the idea here is you want these valuable minor leaguers to spend time around the major league players to see what they can do. Jackson Merrill, uh, the the shortstop for the Padres, is in camp with the Padres, as I understand. And it's, it's again, it's something where you're absolutely, like, you want Jackson Merrill, who you have a large investment in and you feel very, very good about. You like him as your... Uh, maybe he was a first-round pick last year. You like him as your shortstop of the future. Eventually, uh, he went to the Arizona Fall League last year. But you want him to be around all these professionals. You want him to see a Xander Bogarts. You want him to see a Manny Machado. You want him to see a Juan Soto and a Nelson Cruz and a Matt Carpenter to learn what he needs to do to be able to contribute at the major league level. Uh, Holiday and Merrill are going to be competing uh, as far as who's going to be the best prospect in baseball, there's a lot of people that think Jackson Holiday will be the number one prospect this time next year. I absolutely could see that. 
I do have high hopes for Jackson Merrill simply because he is going to get a lot of the attention in that class or in that system simply because of uh, the Padres having moved so many guys out of that system. They'll need to ensure his development goes well. So he's going to have every single opportunity uh, to produce because, I mean, even if he gets the big leagues and Xander Bogarts is still playing at a high level, he has, it feels like he has the skills to move to second, to move to third, wherever you need him to be with a bat that's going to be a middle of the order bat. A couple other interesting guys in camp. Drew Romo of the Rockies, the catcher. Uh, the Rockies have struggled to develop catchers as far as like homegrown guys for a while. But there's a really interesting story that broke on Wednesday about Noah Song. So reminder here, right-hand pitcher Noah Song uh, was drafted in the fourth round in 2019 out of the U.S. Naval Academy. Uh, so spent, spent all four years there. His senior year at the Naval Academy, age 22, 14 starts. He went 11-1 and one with a uh, 1.44 ERA and 94 innings, 161 strikeouts to 31 walks. 15.4 strikeouts per nine. One of like the top five numbers uh, in all of college baseball, like all time. Just absolutely dominant year. Fourth round pick by the Red Sox, signed like $100,000. Would have been a higher pick, but he was a graduate of the Naval Academy, which means he is obligated to to do his military duty. He asked for a waiver in 2019 uh, to to defer or uh, forgive the military obligation. It was denied, so he has been on active duty. He was not protected by the Red Sox in the Rule 5 draft and was taken by the Phillies. So the way that this normally works in the Rule 5 draft, quick reminder, is you have to keep that guy on your active roster, your 26-man roster, all season if you want to keep his rights. Uh, you know, you, it's, you, I think you spend $100,000 when you make the selection. You give it to the team who had the rights of the player. If... You do not keep that player on your active roster all year. They can give you $50,000 and get the player's rights back. Now, if he was still in the military all year, you would have had a scenario where you could put him on the military list. You would have to spend, he would have to spend time on the roster, but it would not be, it would not be an entire season. You have, because the military list you have an option, I want to say it was either 45 or 90 days, that he had to be included on your roster, and then after that, you you had his rights and you were done. Well, on Wednesday, uh, he was moved from active duty to the reserves. So that is one week and a month, two weeks a year. Uh, They can structure that around the baseball season, allowing him to resume his baseball career. So he is reporting... On, I believe on Friday, maybe th- th- Thursday or Friday, he is reporting to Philly's camp. Again, absolutely phenomenal senior year. He did go, he got uh, seven games, 17 total innings in short season ball after he was drafted by the Red Sox. 106 ERA, again, 17 innings, small sample size, five walks to 19 strikeouts. Here's the issue. 
He has not thrown in affiliated baseball since 2019. As I understand, he's done things to stay in shape. He's been throwing bullpens, things like that for years. He looked very, very good when he was drafted. Fastball could touch 99, had a plus slider, had an above average curveball, occasionally threw a changeup, looked very good. The question now is, how does the Philadelphia Phillies, like how do the Philadelphia Phillies work it out where they can keep his rights? Uh, there are things you can do. We have a couple other hosts of our Locked On shows who are convinced the Phillies can handle this. There'll be, uh, there'll be some time on the injured list. He has to be able to ramp back up to baseball activities. He has not played, again, he has not played competitive baseball affiliated with an organization since 2019. And so as he ramps up, you're going to have soreness and things like that that you can get an IL stint out of. They are convinced that they will be able to keep him all year. But definitely a very interesting story to watch. Very excited that he gets to pursue his dream. Uh, and it's just kind of a cool thing that he would fulfilled his military service and still has an opportunity to play baseball. So love that. In just a minute, there's quite a few prospects that are injured. And it's going to impact either their ability to make their team's rosters on opening day or potentially impact their entire season. And we'll get to that right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we are back. So looking at prospects that are injured, that are missing spring training, and uh, uh, just it's, it's, it's impacting what they do. The Guardians have had some bad luck. They have two top prospects who are both going to be out for a while. So right-hand pitcher Daniel Espino, 2019 first-rounder out of high school, uh, is, is seen as one of the more talented pitchers in this system, which is saying something for Cleveland, who has a ton of pitchers and is very, very good at developing pitchers, especially college pitchers. Uh, has a fastball that some people see as an 80 grade, sits 96, runs up into 100 miles an hour regularly, uh, has really good ride on it up in the zone, curveball, slider, the slider can like get, get into the low 90s, big 12 to 6 breaking curve, all that kind of stuff. But he's had injury issues. So last year, uh, knee injury, sidelining for the entire season. Not the first time he's been hurt and missed time. He's like he's been diagnosed with a shoulder strain and is expected to be out about eight weeks. They've been talking about uh, it's like a, a a tear in the capsule in the shoulder, the right shoulder, and so going to be out at least eight weeks. Not great news there. I actually think Baseball America changed their rankings after this, and they moved him from number one to number two, and they moved Gavin Williams, right hand pitcher Gavin Williams, up into the number one spot. But just another injury concern for a guy that's had injury concerns in multiple seasons. You know, again, knee injury. He had the, he's had shoulder stuff in the past, and now the shoulder injury now. Uh, in that same system, outfielder Chase DeLauder. Draft pick from James Madison. He broke his foot last year. I think it was April, maybe. So ended his season last year, was still taken in the first round. Uh, has... He, he had like a screw put in there uh, on the toe. And so he's going to miss four to five months this year, the same foot. Uh, I don't know if it's a recurrence of that same injury. Like if it's something where the it didn't heal correctly and they had to redo it. Or if it's, ju- if it's a separate injury around a broken bone that 
is not that was not necessarily healed to the same strength that it was before. But they had to put a screw into his foot. He's going to miss four or five months. Uh, an injury that infielder Eggy Rosario with the San Diego, with the San Diego Padres. He broke his ankle in winter ball. He's going to be out until midsummer. He was looked at a guy. He got some time late last year. He was going to be a utility option for the Padres all around the infield. Since you're in a situation where uh, Jake Cronenworth is probably going to be a starter versus a utility guy who can move around, uh, Eggy Rosario was in line to be, you know, get a lot of play time in a lot of different positions as they needed to give guys breaks for the Padres. He's going to be out. Uh, Drew Waters, the outfielder in Kansas City. This was a really interesting trade last year. The Braves traded a couple prospects highlighted by Waters to Kansas City to get one of those draft picks that is tradable. Uh, one of the competitive balance picks. So Drew Waters got some time late in the year last year. Offensively, offensively had better results uh, in Kansas City than he had in Atlanta. Felt like he was hitting the ball in the air more, a uh, little bit more, I'm not going to say more aggressive at the plate, but just more timely hitting, looking really good. Uh, he has an oblique strain, a left oblique strain. So he's going to be out for about six weeks. And he was in a scenario where he was fighting for a starting job with Kyle Isbell in center field. And so uh, it looks like, obviously, now that is Isbell's job to lose. I mean, you just traded Michael Taylor away, and so you had a spot there in center field. You could have played both of these guys, but who was going to be in a corner? Who was going to be in center? It looks like now Isbell has this, the track to a starting job in center, and then Drew Waters can rejoin the team when he is healthy. Uh, Miguel Vargas, corner infielder for the Dodgers, has a hairline fracture in his pinky. He's going to be out for, uh, I think it's just a couple days. They've said he'll be able to start swinging a few days, which is wild to me. It must either not be that severe of an injury or it happened longer ago than we realized and they just started talking about it this week. But uh, that could impact his ability to make the opening day roster. He was seen as somebody that could play at third. They were looking at him at second as well. Uh, so, you know, kind of moving him and Max Muncie around. But a piece that was absolutely going to compete in the season where they are trying to get back under the luxury tax and reset their tax penalties. Uh, so they were going to need some of these prospects, including him, to come up and perform this year. And actually had pretty good rods, odds on Rookie of the Year, thinking he was going to perform pretty well. Tamar Johnson of the Pittsburgh Pirates. A right hamstring strain, going to be out for a couple of weeks. Was not at the point where he was competing for a starting job. Obviously, he was drafted last year but still relevant and noticeable there. And then the big one for me, third baseman Christian Encarnacion Strand. We've talked a lot about the Reds and about how there's so many infielders in this system and trying to figure out where everybody's going to be. Uh, he started off as a first baseman. He moved to third base. Uh, he has a back injury. Manager David Bell said it's not serious, which I've never really seen a back injury that was not serious, but said it's not serious, and so like he probably wasn't going to make the opening day roster because you have so many other options, but he was going to be one of the first options to get called up and get time if someone missed. Obviously, you bring Joey Votto back to first base. The thought process is Spencer Steer is going to uh, have a chance to be the starting third baseman out of camp. Uh, I do think Spencer Steer can play anywhere in the infield. And so to me, Spencer Steer is one of those guys where his best usefulness on the roster 
is as a utility man where he can get five starts a week at four different positions. But bringing Joey Votto back, who's expected to be healthy, obviously, you've got lots of options in the middle infield. And it's really kind of weird because there's so many guys who can play so many positions in this middle infield. Eloy De La Cruz, as we know, he played third base and short last season. The Dominican Winter League, he played third and short. They've said they're going to concentrate this spring on having him at short. Noel V. Marte is going to play both short and third. Um, Christian Encarnacion Strand is going to play both third and first. Matt McClain is going to play shortstop and second. None of these guys, and we talked about McClain previously being an option to move back to the outfield and center field like he was at UCLA. None of these guys, as of now, uh, have they've talked about playing in the outfield. So it's just finding play time for multiple of these guys with Christian Encarnacion Strand out. It makes it a little bit easier to split play time at third in camp between Noel V. Marte and Spencer Steer, while Ellie De La Cruz and Noel V. Marte split time at short, and then Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain split time at short, with Matt McClain moving over to second. So I can see McClain at second, Ellie De La Cruz at short, Marte at third some days. I can see Steer at third. Marte at short, McLean at second some days with De La Cruz as your DH. Lots of different permutations of this lineup here that you can do in spring. Obviously, coming in after the guys are out or in a split squad matchup, things like that. Going to be interesting to see where they all rock those out. Fantastic week this week. Hopeful by next week, my voice is back to normal. That would be great. Uh, we have a mailbag on Monday. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description and the link is in the show notes. Until Monday's show, enjoy the spring training games this weekend. This has been Locked on MLB Prospects.